Chapter Twenty One of The Two Gun Man by Charles Alden Seltzer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. The Promise. Ferguson heard loud talking and laughter in the bunkhouse when he passed there an hour after his departure from the Radford cabin in Bear Flat. It was near sundown, and the boys were eating supper. Ferguson smiled grimly as he rode his pony to the corral gate, dismounted, pulled off the bridle and saddle, and turned the animal into the corral. The presence of the boys at the bunkhouse meant that the wagon outfit had come in, meant that Leviatt would have come in, if he had not already done so. The stray man's movements were very deliberate. There was an absence of superfluous energy that told of intensity of thought and singleness of purpose. He shouldered the saddle with a single movement, walked with it to the lean-to, threw it upon its accustomed peg, hung the bridle from the pommel, and then turned and for a brief time listened to the talk and laughter that issued from the open door and windows of the bunkhouse. With a sweep of his hands, he drew his two guns from their holsters, rolled the cylinders, and examined them minutely. Then he replaced the guns, hitched at his cartridge belt, and stepped out of the door of the lean-to. In spite of his promise to Mary Radford to the effect that he would return to prove to her that he was not the man who had attempted to kill her brother, he had no hope of discovering the guilty man. His suspicions, of course, centered upon Leviatt, but he knew that under the circumstances, Mary Radford would have to be given convincing proof. The attempted murder of her brother, following the disclosure that he had been hired by Stafford to do the deed, must have seemed to her sufficient evidence of his guilt. He did not blame her for feeling bitter toward him. She had done the only thing natural under the circumstances. He had been very close to the Garden of Happiness, just close enough to scent its promise of fulfilled joy when the gates had been violently closed in his face, to leave him standing without, contemplating the rugged path over which he must return to the old life. He knew that Leviatt had been the instrument that caused the gates to close. He knew that it had been he who dropped the word that had caused the finger of accusation to point to him. Stafford didn't hire you to do it, Mary Radford had said ironically. The words rang in his ears still. Who had told her that Stafford had hired him to shoot Redford? Surely not Stafford. He himself had not hinted at the reason of his presence at the Two Diamond. And there was only one other man who knew. That man was Leviatt. As he stood beside the door of the lean-to, the rage in his heart against the range boss grew more bitter, and the hues around his mouth straightened more grimly. A few minutes later, he stalked into the bunkhouse among the men who, after finishing their meal, were lounging about, their small talk filling the room. The talk died away as he entered. The men adroitly gave him room, for there was something in the expression of his eyes, in the steely, boring glances that he cast about him, that told these men, inured to danger though they were, that the stray man was in no gentle mood. He dropped a short word to the one among them that he knew best, at which they all straightened, for through the word they knew that he was looking for Leviatt. 
but they knew nothing of Leviatt beyond the fact that he and Tucson had not accompanied the wagon to the home ranch. They inferred that the range boss and Tucson had gone about some business connected with the cattle. Therefore, Ferguson did not stop long in the bunkhouse. Without a word, he was gone, striding rapidly towards the ranch house. They looked after him, saying nothing, but aware that his quest for Leviatt was not without significance. Five minutes later, he was in Stafford's office. The latter had been worrying about him. When Ferguson entered, the manager's manner was a trifle anxious. "'You seen anything of Radford yet?' he inquired. "'I ain't got anything on Radford,' was the short reply. His tone angered the manager. "'I ain't asking that you got anything on him,' he returned. "'But we missed more cattle yesterday, and it looks mighty suspicious. Since we had that talk about Radford, when you told me it wasn't him doing the rustling,' I've changed my mind a heap. I'm thinking he rustled them cattle last night. Ferguson looked quizzically at him. How many cattle you missing? he questioned. Stafford banged a fist heavily down upon his desktop. We're twenty calves short on the tally, he declared. And half a dozen cows. We ain't got to the steers yet, but I'm expecting to find them short too. Ferguson drew a deep breath. The number of cattle missing tallied exactly with the number he had seen in the basin down the river. A glint of triumph lighted his eyes, but he looked down upon Stafford, drawling. You've been doing Italian? Yes. Ferguson was now smiling grimly. Where's your range, boss? he questioned. The boy say he rode over to the river looking for strays. Sent word that he'd be in tomorrow. But I don't see what he's got to do. No, returned Ferguson. Of course. You say them cattle was rustled last night? Yes. Stafford banged his fist down with a positiveness that left no doubt of his knowledge. Well, now, observed Ferguson. And so you're certain Radford rustled them? He smiled again saturninely. I ain't saying for certain, returned Stafford puzzled by Ferguson's manner. What I'm getting at is there ain't no one around here that'd rustle him except Radford. There ain't no other nester around here that you know of? questioned Ferguson. No, Radford's the only one. Ferguson lingered a moment. Then he walked slowly to the door. I reckon that's all, he said. Tomorrow I'm going to show you your rustler. He had stepped out of the door and was gone into the gathering dusk before Stafford could ask the question that was on the end of his tongue. End of chapter 21